This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. We're going to wrap up our Kingdom Agenda series this morning that we've been in for the past few weeks, and the title of my message is Synced Up. So if you want to write down a title, write Synced Up. And I began to think about the different ways that we connect in our world because we're so technology-driven. There's so many things that need to be synced together, so many things that need to connect together. And I don't know about you, but me personally, I am a Mac guy, okay? I like Macintosh, and for those of you who are still running the PC, we pray for you. We have prayer every Monday through Thursday at 8.30, and then we have pre-service prayer where we spend time interceding for you as well. Um, The thing that I really enjoy about Mac is that it's so easy to use and so uh, connected to so many other devices that just naturally sync up. Matter of fact, I like Mac so much, I think that that's what God is running up in heaven. He's running Mac up in heaven. Oh, Pastor Derek, there's no computers in heaven. God doesn't need computers. Oh, yeah? How do you think God keeps up with all the Facebook likes and he's supposed to bless people when they get a thousand likes? They're running Max up there. And angels give reports. We hit a thousand likes. We're clear to bless this guy. Okay, good. Jesus is okay to love you after you get so many likes. So he needs to know when he can do that. And they do that through Max. Everyone gets it. Joke's over. Okay, I'll move on. All right. But the thing that I really like about Max is that I can take my iPhone and it can talk to my computer, can talk to my MacBook, and it can do that without even having an internet connection. Like I can take pictures and files and stuff and I can throw it over to my computer and I don't even need the internet. I don't even need a cell phone signal to do it. I can just Bluetooth it right over there. Same thing with the iPad. I can send a message and that message can go through iMessage and I don't need cell phone service for that to happen. And I love how they've thought all of those products so clearly through to where they would all speak to each other and they would all be able to sync together and so that they would be connected. And it really got me to thinking, you know, the only way that we can accomplish the desires of heaven and the only way we can accomplish God's goals for our lives and we can get synced up with his kingdom agenda is to make sure that his goals are our goals, to make sure that we're in sync with God's agenda. But we can ask the question, why am I supposed to sync up with God's agenda? Why should I sync up with what God wants? And let me tell you something, because I'm supposed to is not a good enough answer to make you do it. If that's the best answer you got when that question is posed, that's not a good enough answer to make it happen. Just because you're supposed to be hooked up with God's kingdom agenda, just because you're supposed to do what God says when you're challenged in an area in your life, doesn't mean that you're actually going to do it. We have to have a deeper conviction than that. We have to have a deeper reason than that. So today, we're going to talk about why we should get synced up with God's agenda. And we're also going to talk about how to get connected. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 6. We looked at Matthew chapter 6 last week, but I thought it would be good to revisit it again because it's just so relevant for what I believe God wants us to see today in the Scripture. Matthew Matthew chapter 6, and let's read actually in verse 31. Why don't we start there? Matthew 6 and verse 31 says, Therefore, don't be anxious. Don't worry. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? 
for the Gentiles or the people who are disconnected from God. He said, those people, they seek after those things. And your heavenly father already knows you need stuff to eat. He already knows you need clothes. He already knows you need something to drink. He said, why are you worrying about these things? He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient as the day for its own trouble. Now, this is Jesus here. And Jesus is sharing with the group of people that are listening to him that you don't need to allow fear to control your life. Because every time that fear begins to creep into your life, anxiety creeps into your life, it is a direct result of you not being able to control someone or something. That's the only reason that it even pops up. Because we're all control freaks and we want to control everything. We want to make people do what we want them to do or we want circumstances to play out the way we want them to play out. And when they don't, we get worried, we get fearful, we get anxious because we can't control it. And so we either move forward in that and we grow past that and learn to trust God or we do what oftentimes most of us do, unfortunately. And what we end up doing is only getting involved in the things we feel that we can control only getting involved in relationships we feel that we can manipulate or control, only putting ourselves out there as far as we feel we can keep our hands on something or in something. And therefore, we never truly grow into the potential that God has for us. And therefore, we never truly accomplish God's agenda for our lives and His kingdom agenda that He has set before us that we can truly live in a way that would bring Him glory because we're too busy trying to control our world. And we worry and we freak out. When something happens outside of our realm of control. And Jesus is trying to get the message across. Listen, fear and worry come from a lack of being able to control or trust, really, God. Because the heart of what Jesus was saying here in Matthew 6 is truly that God is good. That's really the message. The underlying message of this entire passage of Scripture is that God is good. Because what he's saying is that if God truly is good and you agree with that, and you don't just say the cute little church saying where we say God's good all the time, and all the time, God is good. <laughs> and we say that. But he says if you actually believe that, and you believe God is good, then you're not going to worry near as much as you do. Because you know God's got this. And you know God's got you. And you see the value that he's placed on you. You see how valuable you are to God? Jesus is trying to communicate heaven's value to you and what jesus said to try to communicate that was what about the birds what about the flowers those things don't have to worry about where they're going to get their nutrients from god's already taken care of them how much more valuable jesus said are you than a bird or a flower that doesn't even have to work for its food that doesn't even have to do anything to necessarily uh uh, uh, produce what god wants it to produce he said listen Why don't instead you focus on seeking God's kingdom first, seeking his agenda, seeking his will, doing what he wants you to do first? And if you do that, then all the things you've been worrying about, trying to control and freak out about, God's going to take care of those because you're doing things God's way and you're putting his agenda ahead of your own. But here's the thing that Jesus is really wanting to get across, I believe, is that he's saying, listen, God is good, but guess what? You're not. You're not the source. You're not the point. 
You're not the thing that it's supposed to all be about. It's all about Him and His glory. And if we get that through our thick heads, and if we get that in our hearts, that our lives are to bring God glory, then we can submit to Him in a greater degree, and we can say, God, not my will, but Your will, because I'm here to please You, and I'm here for Your glory. And if I live that way, then I'm going to be able to trust Him more, even in the difficult times. I'm going to be able to say, God, this is tough, but I know You're good. And because I know You're good, I can trust You. Because I am not the end to the means. I am not my own source of joy, peace, love, and happiness. You are, God. And so because of that, I'm going to trust, rest in You, and I'm going to believe that Your way of doing things is better than mine, even if it conflicts with what I think needs to be done. Even if it conflicts with what I'd rather do or what I'd rather see happen. That makes forgiveness a lot easier. That makes walking with your spouse a lot easier. That makes parenting your children a lot easier. That makes managing your finances a lot easier. That makes dealing with situations that may have you worried at work a lot easier. If you go about things God's way, putting His agenda first, His kingdom first, and you say, God, I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to do things your way, instead of doing it the way that I think it needs to be done. So God, watch your will, not my will. God, watch your way, not my way. But to do that, to trust that God is good, and that we're not, and that He's the source of all things good, and not you and not me, and anything good that comes out of me as a result of being connected to Him, then I need a connection. And I need a real connection with God, a genuine connection with God, not some pseudo-fake connection, some rip-off connection with God that's not the real deal. The problem is, oftentimes in our world, is that people think they're connected to God, but they really aren't connected. They think that they're connected to God because they do good things. Well, I'm not as bad as my neighbor, or I'm not as bad as so-and-so, and because I'm not as bad as other people, then I'm connected to God. Well, I'm connected to God because I go to church. That's how I'm connected to God. I'm connected to God because I own a lot of Christian jewelry. Have you seen the Christian jewelry that I have? It's obvious I'm connected to God. I'm connected to God because of the charitable deeds that I do and how I give my time, my talent, my treasure away. That's how I know I'm connected to God. And and I'm connected to God because of what I do. No, you are not connected to God because of what you do. Because it's not your own effort that makes the connection. It was the effort that Jesus Christ, He Himself, took upon the cross that made you and me have an opportunity to be connected to God. Amen, somebody. And anything good that I do is a result of being connected, not the way to get connected. So should those good things come out? Absolutely they should. But because I'm connected, not in order to be connected. We need to understand this because a lot of people think that because they know a lot of good things about the Bible, because they do a lot of good things, because they have church attendance, because they have tenure, they think that they're good. But Jesus says, you're not good. God is good. And when you recognize that and you realize that, it helps put things into proper perspective when you can truly see yourself for how you really are. Jesus talked about the kind of people that don't see themselves for who they really are in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3, Jesus himself speaking here. It's read in my Bible. That indicates Jesus speaking. Revelation 3 and verse 14, Jesus said this, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're not hot. You're not cold. 
He said, I would rather you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm and you're neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because this is what you say. For you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I don't need anything. But what you don't realize is that you're wretched, that you're pitiable, that you're poor, that you're blind, that you're naked, and I'm going to counsel you. You need to buy from me gold refined by the fire so you can truly know what riches are. And white garments, so you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And you need salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove, and I discipline, so be zealous, and you need to repent. Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him, and he with me. You see, Jesus is trying to get a point across here in Revelation. They said, there's going to be people who think they have a connection, but they really don't. They think that because of their goodness, they're connected. They think because of what they've achieved in life, they're connected. They think because of their trophy case that they want to show to God that they're connected. Because of their achievements and their accomplishments that they're connected. And folks, that's not how we get connected. If we truly want to see God's agenda, God's kingdom agenda at work in your life and my life to where His will begins to happen in our lives, we've got to have a real connection. If we don't have a real connection, then we're fooling ourselves to think that we really have this connection. It's this false thing that appears to be real. Listen, Dr. Thunder and Dr. Pepper graduated from two different universities. They went to two different schools. But yet, they're kind of the same color can. They kind of the same color liquid. They kind of have slight variations in their taste. And they're kind of the same, but Dr. Pepper and Dr. Thunder are not the same. Oh, I think they're the same. Yeah, you're kidding yourself, buddy. It's not the same. And we take the same approach to God. We think if we can look a certain way, smell a certain way, act a certain way, speak a certain way, dress a certain way, and do certain things that we're connected, but we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves, and we're being a bunch of posers, and we're fronting. Because we think, we, we think we've got it together, but really on the inside there's no connection. But everybody else looks and thinks, oh man, they must be connected. But you're not connected and you're not fooling anybody. And sometimes, unfortunately, you can fool yourself in this process. Because you think that's how you get connected is by doing all the right things. Having the right memberships, having the right friends, having the right things in your life. That that's how I get connected. no. Anything good that comes out of me should be a result of my connection, not my way to be connected. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, if my life isn't synced up with the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, listen, I am not good, only God is good, and I need Him. If my life is not synced up with the gospel, if my life is not synced up with my need for forgiveness, if my life is not synced up with my need for Jesus and the cross, then my approach to life will never match God's goals for me. My approach to life will never match what God truly desires for me if I'm not synced up with the cross. In other words, I can't outsmart God and all of a sudden become the answer to my own life. Oh God, I know you're uncovering sin in my life that you want me to deal with, but I don't want to deal with it because I know better than you and I can manage it. And God's saying, this is my agenda, this is my will, this is my desire for you. What do you mean? 
Wait, you think you're smarter than me in this area? Or if God confronts you with something that he wants you to deal with and you want to run the opposite way, and God's saying, what are you doing? You, you, you need to remember your need. You know, we went to Haiti a few weeks back, and sometimes when you go to a foreign country or you see extreme poverty, and I saw poverty in Haiti like I've never experienced before in my life, and I've been on mission trips before, but I've never seen this extreme poverty. You get this idea... Sometimes, if you're not careful walking into a situation like that, that you're there to be the answer. You show up and you see, oh, look at the poor people. They don't know better. They don't have anything. We have so much. Look at what we have. We need to be grateful and we need to really help these people out because they need us. No, they don't need you. They need Jesus because you need Jesus too. The problem is, is that when we're over in countries like that, we can look at the poverty of other people and we can see their need and we think we're the answer, but you're not the answer. Jesus is the answer. But the problem is, is that you can see their need, but you can fool yourself that you don't have the same need. Because you're sitting in your comfortable house when somebody else is sleeping on sticks under a tarp house and you go home and you're sleeping in your cushy bed under the air condition and you don't think you have a need. Because you're comfortable. Because you think you have what you need. Just like Jesus said, you think you're prosperous. You think you're rich. You think you've got what you need, but you don't realize what, what you truly are. You don't see the, the depravity of your need. You don't see the depth of your need. And because you don't see the depth of your need, you think you're better than other people. And because you think you're better than other people, guess what happens? You put yourself in this mindset... That is a pseudo-connection that appears like you have a real connection, but you really don't because the fruit of your life then becomes criticism and judgmentalism and hypocrisy, the very same things the world hates about the church. Because when the world talks about the church and they don't want to be a part of the church, what are their reasons? Because the church is full of what? Hypocrites? Because Christians are just judgmental? And critical? Isn't that what they say? Why do they say that? Because too often we put ourselves in that position because we think we're better than other people because we think we're the answer. And we don't realize that whether we're sleeping in a cushy bed or on sticks, that we still have the same need. It puts us all on the same playing field, doesn't it? That's why it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your accomplishments are. It doesn't matter what your failures are. You still have the same need that I have, that the whole world has. And the answer for all of us is the same. And his name is Jesus. It's not you. The answer for Sheboygan County is not Derek Armstrong. It's Jesus. Amen? The answer is not you or me, it's Jesus. And when we see our need, then our recognition of our need will fuel our behavior. And then we understand, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because now it doesn't become about our righteousness. Now it doesn't become about our good deeds and our pathway to righteousness. Instead, it becomes us recognizing and humbling ourselves to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. To where we put on Jesus instead of trying to present ourselves as accomplished and the answer so people will look to us. Instead, we point people to Jesus in us. Because we recognize, wow, I see myself. And I see my need. And I need a real connection. And the only way to get a real connection is by seeing your need and reaching out and saying, Jesus, I need you. And not just one time when you lifted your hand during Billy Graham crusade. 
and not just one time when, when, when you got baptized and, and not just one time when you, you, you felt stirring in your heart, but daily reminding yourself of your need for Jesus. Oh man, we have to remind ourselves of the gospel. Amen, somebody? You see, if I'm not synced up with my need for the gospel, if I'm not synced up with my need for forgiveness, if I'm not synced up with my need for the cross, then my approach will never match God's goals for me. And I have to be connected. And I want God's goals in my life. I want God's desires to come to fruition in my life because that's what brings Him glory. As when my life is submitted to Him. Instead of me thinking I'm smarter than God. Instead of me thinking my ways are better than God's. But for me to be connected, there has to be compatibility there because compatibility is essential for connection. Matthew 6 and 33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So many times we just read the seek first the kingdom of God and we kind of sweep over or, or, or brush past or move quickly through the and his righteousness part. And we just say, oh, and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God, dot, 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 or and his righteousness because we don't really know what that means. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness means not only am I putting God first, not only am I putting him uh, uh, ahead of me and his agenda ahead of me, but I am connected to his righteousness. That means he's my source of all things good, not me. That means that I'm trusting in what Jesus did on the cross to save me and not my good deeds and not my own righteousness, but it's his will, his agenda first and his righteousness first. And if I try to sync up with God any other kind of way, I'm incompatible. It's like trying to take one of those explosive Samsung Galaxy 7s and connecting it to an iPad. It'll create like this vortex in the universe that you'll get sucked into to an alternate universe. All kinds of crazy things will happen. Why? Because those things aren't compatible. They don't work together. So we have to make sure we're working together with what God has naturally put in place for us to be connected to and so we can be compatible with His will. So we can be compatible with His agenda. And the only way I can be compatible with Him is not in my own good deeds, but it's in relying on the righteousness of Christ. Because we're all in the same boat. Because in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, he said, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we got it all together. Not when we took a shower, when we shaved real good, you know, got the Bic razor out on the old head, good waxing, pressed clothes, looking good, smelling good, feeling good, living good, being charitable, volunteering, serving, attending church, giving, all those wonderful, nice things that we do. He didn't say... Now you're worth dying for. Now that you've got some things together and figured out. No, he said, while you were yet sinners. When you're at the lowest position, that's when Christ said, you're worth dying for. You see the value that he puts on you? You see the value that he puts on you? Because he's wanting to show you, listen, it's all him doing the saving, not you. It's him doing the saving. And it's our hearts that are gripped by the message of the gospel. That's why the gospel should always be sweet and sweeter to us. So how do we get connected to God's kingdom agenda? How do we move forward with his will? Well, we have to begin with eternity in mind because when I am focused 
on what God wants instead of what I want, when I'm reliant on the message of the gospel, it's going to reorient my thinking. It's going to change the value system that I have, and it's going to change the way that I think. And all of a sudden, instead of me thinking in terms of my own selfishness and what I can acquire and what I can accomplish, I begin to think, how can my life influence and impact eternity? And often we think in these grand, big, huge scale things that will impact and affect eternity, but it's really not oftentimes in those big, huge things. It's in the day-to-day. It's waking up every day and making the decision, I'm going to live my life in a way with eternity in mind. So I think this is where you start. You start with God's agenda because God is focused on eternity. You and I can get really distracted here on this earth and only focus on what we're to acquire and do and enjoy and experience here on this earth. And if that consumes us, then it'll drive all of our behavior and we're not seeking first the kingdom of God. But if we seek first the kingdom of God, we're going to start with eternity in mind because we realize we've received the gospel. We realize that Christ paid it all. And we realize how that not only changes our here and now on the earth, but how it changes our forever. And because that becomes such a reality to us, and it becomes so real to us, and we have a real connection, now we can begin our journey, our walk with God, our, our, our marriages, the way we handle our finances, the way we parent our children, the way that we act and interact with others at work and in our communities. We can begin to do those things with eternity in mind. So therefore, it changes what I do and why I do it. It changes those things. So what are your goals? Have you clarified those things And if you've clarified them, are they synced up with God's agenda? The way to begin your day, your planning, your goal setting is with eternity in mind. So when you think about what drives you in this life, where are you going in this life? Some people are very methodical and they're very meticulous and they're very goal-oriented and they naturally are good at planning those things. And some people, they have no idea what they're going to do this afternoon. Some people have no idea where they're going. They have no idea what their marriage is going to look like in 10 years because they have no target that they're aiming at. Some people don't know what kind of kids they raise. Good kids that don't go to prison, I guess. It's kind of a good goal to have. And, 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 and if that's your goal, then listen, are your goals synced up with God's goals? Are your goals synced up with what God wants? Have you asked God what you should be shooting for? Have you asked God what should be the desire of our heart because what is His desire? Not my will, but His will? So how do I do these things? You start with eternity in mind because when my goals and my approach to those goals are in sync with God, then my decisions are going to be driven by an eternal mindset. When I'm hooked up with God because God has eternity in mind, remember Jesus always talked about the kingdom. Jesus always was interested in eternity. He knows that this life is just a vapor. He knows that this is just like um, dust in the wind. Oh, dust in the wind, right? And we know that this life is just a vapor. And God says, you need to recognize that and live with eternity in mind. What if you parented your children with eternity in mind? What if your goal became motivated by eternity? Then all of a sudden, now you're parenting with a kingdom mindset. You're not just thinking about your kids staying out of trouble and being successful in life, but you're thinking about your children's eternity. You can't force them to choose God. You can't force them to receive the gospel. People try and they get frustrated because they want to try to 
manipulate their children into into receiving God, or they want to try to make them feel bad or guilt them into having God first in their lives. But let me tell you, if you parent with eternity in mind, your focus isn't going to be trying to make them conform, but rather to model for them what a life influenced by the gospel looks like. Because if you live that type of life in front of your children, that's you parenting with eternity in mind. And all of a sudden, you don't have to feel this pressure to be this Pinterest perfect mom or dad to where everything's right and everything's great all the time and you never make mistakes. But instead, you live a life where you constantly admit that, listen, I see that I need forgiveness from either my children or from God with what I've been doing and you're willing to repent and you're willing to turn and to grow and to keep evaluating, correcting, repenting, changing, moving forward and growing in sanctification in front of your children's eyes and that will show them their need for the gospel when they see you're real. Amen? When they see that when you make a mistake that you go to them and you ask them to forgive you because you recognize you're not perfect. If you tout yourself as a perfect person, then they're going to feel they can never achieve your standard of perfection. And they know you're flawed, but if you don't let them know that you know that, then you feel like you're so distant from them and that you don't understand them and they don't understand you. But if you connect with them and say, hey, I recognize that I'm not a perfect parent and I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And when I mess up, I want to let you know that I messed up and I want to do right and I want to do what God wants me to do because I want to please Him. When I begin to have some static in my line and my connection starts to get back over into my performance and I recognize, man, I still need the gospel, my kids need to see that. My spouse needs to see that. Amen? Amen. Sometimes I'm sorry and will you forgive me will heal a multitude of wound and hurtful words and painful past. Sometimes you deciding that what you did to cause the pain in the first place you're not going to do again and you have eternity in mind, and you want your marriage to glorify God instead of satisfy your flesh or satisfy your selfishness, you begin to make different decisions with the way that you approach your spouse, with the way you value your spouse, because now your heart is open to the gospel, and you see your need, and it makes you want to serve other people instead of you thinking you're better than other people. A marriage that is struggling is oftentimes motivated by one spouse thinking they're better than the other or thinking they're smarter than the other or thinking they're more conniving or sneaky than the other and they'll never find out or thinking that they just don't understand because they're not as smart as me and you would never utter those words but your actions prove otherwise but if you realize you need Jesus just like your spouse needs Jesus and that you've received a lot of grace from God and that you're supposed to be a conduit and a dispenser of grace it'll change the way you love your spouse It'll change the way that you interact with that situation at work and the way that you value other people. Maybe it is time for you to leave that company and go to another one, but maybe it's time for you to stay too. Maybe it's time for you to ask God what He wants you to do and you just, instead of you just doing what's most convenient. Amen? Because it's easy to do what's most convenient for us. And if that drives our behavior, then guess what? If your selfishness drives your behavior, you're going to get your results. But if you want God's kingdom agenda to be at the forefront... Even in the uncomfortable situations, God, what do you want? Not what I want. And then when what he says and tells you to do, or what you see in the scripture plainly that he tells you to do, and you see that's God's agenda, for you to submit to that and for you to actually do that, guess what? It'll probably make you uncomfortable because it goes against your selfish nature. To serve someone goes against your selfish nature. To forgive someone goes against our selfish nature. 
to help someone else with nothing I can get in return goes against my selfish nature. But if I live my life with eternity in mind, then it changes my behavior, my decisions, my attitude. So when my goals and my approach to those goals are synced up with God, my decisions are driven by an eternal mindset. My values begin to be reshaped then by the gospel's impact on my heart. And guess what begins to get wiped away from my life? Fear and worry. Didn't Jesus say, don't worry about tomorrow? Didn't Jesus say, why are you worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink? He said, why are you worried about all these things if you just put God's kingdom agenda first and you depend on his righteousness? Then don't you know God's going to take care of all of those things that you've been worried about so much? It may not seem like that the thing that you're worried about is going to get remedied instantly when you begin to put God first. Like, I tried putting God first for like three days. And, and I don't know if this works or not, Pastor Derek. It does work. Have you thought about asking God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to approach this person? How do you want me to value my spouse? How do you want me to engage with my children? How do you want me to handle my finances? It's what so many people do even in their finances. Their finances will become a complete mess, and then they, 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 they're, they're not dealing with their finances with a kingdom agenda in mind. Instead, they're dealing with it with their agenda in mind, which means that generosity gets put at the back and not at the front. And God says, put generosity at the front. And the reason God wants you to put generosity at the front is because he wants you to think about your finances in light of eternity. Because when you do what the Bible calls tithing or putting, giving God the first 10%, then what you do is you're actually putting his kingdom agenda ahead of your own instead of your generosity being motivated by if I have some left over. We do the same thing. It's like, I'll handle all of this, God. I'll handle this situation at home. And then if there's enough time in the day left over, then I'll pray. If there's enough time in the day, then I'll spend time in your word. And doesn't it always seem like when we live life that way that there's never enough time, there's never enough money? But when you flip it around and you do it God's way, there's always more than enough. Because when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he takes care of the rest. When you prioritize God's kingdom agenda and his way of doing things above your way of doing things, then you begin to see, wow, even though God's system is backwards from what I naturally, selfishly want to do, it works and it's impacting eternity. It's impacting eternity. If you begin to manage your finances that way, you begin to parent that way. You begin to approach your job with eternity in mind. How can I today approach my job that may be a tough job with eternity in mind? How can I love my spouse in a way with eternity in mind? What's my eternal desire for my marriage? Because guess what? One of these days I'm going to pass away. So what do I want to do with the time that I have here on this earth to influence my spouse towards eternity? How can I show them what God has done in my life? And how can I serve them and love them and care for them and prioritize them above myself in a way that would model and display eternity's values, not only to my spouse, but to my children, to my friends, to my coworkers? How can I work through a difficult situation with someone with eternity in mind? Because as hard as it may be, if you have an eternal mindset, you realize that you need the same forgiveness that you need to extend to someone else. You may not have done what the other person has done, but you still need to extend the same type of forgiveness you've received because guess what? Apart from Christ, we're all in the same boat. Amen? Amen? But with Christ, we're all in the same boat too. 
And I would rather be there with Jesus, the one who calms the storms. Amen? The one who said he'd never leave me or forsake me. The one who says, keep the kingdom of God at the forefront of your life. And so here's the thing that I do. I always evaluate and correct in order to move forward. This is something that has just been drilled into my being. Some people accuse me of being picky sometimes because I always evaluate and correct. I evaluate. I'm always looking at the things in my life that I'm going, God, help me to not be desensitized to evaluating and correcting to where I get over into this thing like those people in Laodicea where I don't see my need anymore. Help me to not get so self-righteous and that I miss my need, that I miss my need for forgiveness, that I miss my need for redemption, that I miss my need for grace, that I miss my need for your love, that I miss my need. And because oftentimes you don't recognize your need until all of a sudden a situation pops up that really makes you aware of it. Guess what? You, you, you drink water, you're going to get thirsty again, you're going to need water again. But the longer you go without water, the more aware you become of your need. But your need is always the same. Your awareness of it changes, but your need's always the same, isn't it? You're always going to need water whether you recognize that or not. You can get extremely unhealthy and sick and die from not meeting that need but you need to recognize it before the symptoms get bad, right? Isn't it better to never get dehydrated and to always recognize your need and make sure that you're giving yourself ample water to make sure you can do the things you need to do throughout the day instead of getting to that place where you get lightheaded and you pass out? Has that ever happened to you before? Man, that's a weird feeling. Why? You forgot about your need. You forgot about your need. So many times we just need to stay aware of our need. And if we do, it helps us to keep eternity in focus. It helps us keep God's agenda and God's kingdom first. So always evaluate and correct to move forward. And when you have a goal for your marriage, look at your goals through the lens of Scripture. Are my goals matching up with God's goals? Are my relationship goals matching up with what God says? Are the things that I'm doing matching up with what God wants me to do? Because if not, I need to get synced up with His agenda. Are my finances in line with what God wants me to do? If not, get synced up with his agenda. Is the way I'm parenting my children synced up with what God wants? If not, get hooked up. Is the way I'm handling this difficult situation at work the way God wants me to handle it? If not, sync up. Get synced up. Recognize your need. Get hooked up. Get synced up and start living out God's kingdom agenda and putting his agenda first. Amen, somebody? See, when I, when I recognize I'm out of sync, then... I need to course correct, and I need to evaluate, and I need to go, okay, it's time to course correct. And if I live out of God's kingdom agenda by seeking Him and His righteousness first, He takes care of the rest. And we get the desires that He wants in our lives. True joy, true peace, true contentment. Not, not the, 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 the pseudo version, the, the knockoff version of peace and joy that's temporary, that doesn't last that doesn't satisfy, not the knockoff version of contentment, not the knockoff version of successful marriage, not the knockoff version of successful financial management, not the knockoff version of successful kids or successful uh, uh, careers, but a kingdom agenda-driven one that has eternity in mind, that seeks first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things you've been worrying about. God's going to take care of those. Amen, somebody. Thank you for listening. 
For more information, please visit wogcc.com.